Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, yes. we're going to dive deep into the mailbag and answer all of your pertinent questions, including Ben Ben, ben Simmons? Yeah. Yuto Watanabe? Let's go. Kyrie Irving? Stacking dubs? Off and running? Let's go. Let's get right to the show. Back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. So check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Netstaler.com, The Athletic. Get yourself on the paywall at theathletic.com slash glue guys. Subsidiary of the New York Times. Where Brian, Black Friday special that starts Whoa. today. We're recording this on a Monday, November 21st. For this whole week, you can get behind that paywall for a dollar a month for an entire year. So put down $12. You get a year's supply of all the athletic content. You get this podcast ad-free. You get every athletic podcast ad-free. Um, $12, $12. Here's the promo code, theathletic.com slash glue guys. If you aren't behind that paywall, just ask yourself, do you have 12 bucks? Do you have 12 bucks with which to, 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 to dally a bant and throw around on the ground and say, I'm about to get the best sports content in the world. You know, not everyone has to have books. So, hey, but hey, yeah. those are our partners. Do I? Mike, we have a great <laughs> partnership with The Athletic. And, you know, I thought you and I had a good partnership, but you left me out hanging because I came in off key and I'm going to need you to jump in a little bit earlier. I have <laughs> hand, foot, mouth and butt disease and my pipes aren't, you know, up to up to the quality that I need them to be. And you got to anyways, what's going on with Nets, right. Nets stuff, Mike? We're uh, stacking right. dubs. Stuff. We're stacking dubs um, against the best of the West, Mike. I think this, you know, best of times, worst of times. I think this is now officially the best of times. Uh, Kyrie is back. And I just want to say off the top, you know, there's the culture wars going on. There's the overheated uh, hot take machine that's happening. We see it all the time. Obviously, you know, I've been pretty passionate about the things that Kyrie had tweeted out and Instagrammed, that documentary that I watched, then I read the book. And you regret your behavior. And you're, now it's your time for an apology. I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. He was yeah. right. The documentary is flawless. No, um, it was a it was a perfect documentary. That's my <laughs> nice. trunk. Well done. Not bad. Um, thank you. Um, I'm. Listen, I know he spoke after the game, and people are still upset. Like there were, there was a demonstration, a rather stark demonstration outside Barclays. I am an. I am done engaging with that. I'm I'm out of the culture wars. I have retired a two-star general. You I'm just, going out. You just like the to start little fires the and war. then set them blaze and walk away. <laughs> I see you. I get what I get. What's going on here? Um, I I refuse to engage anymore. I I listened to Kyrie's interview with Ian Begley of SNY. Congrats to Ian for getting that. I then watched him in post game. Could we parse through words? We could parse. 
we could we could have a little parcel of words, but I don't really care about. I mean, honestly, at this point, like I think he's relatively authentic, and I think we just I, let's enjoy basketball, right? We're here, like we're here until to stack the next W's. controversy. We're here to stack W's, and you know we hold each other accountable. And to the extent that accountability yeah. was held, we you know hey, it's a to and fro. You know, all of us together, humans, just holding each other accountable. And then when, at the end of the day, the North Star is. W's, Mike. That's the, all that really matters. <laughs> That's all we care about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the soulless pursuit of W's. And to get to that, this is a mailbag pod. We Whoa. have some fantastic email. Netspod at gmail.com. And I urge everyone, we're also on Discord. Link in our Twitter bio. Twitter bio Discord.gd slash, slash glue guys is the actual URL. Um, also, submit questions on there, too. I appreciate everyone that does. Yeah. And... I want voicemails. I want. I want. Pe- I want to hear people's voice. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. We do. But we have some email right now. Next up, that's Cheer Boy. We got Ryan Newman. I had to get the big one out. That's not. They're not all going to be like that. Um, AKA D Bronx one four one four in the Discord. Shout out to the Discord again. You guys are missing out. There's links everywhere. It's in the Twitter bio. It's in the YouTube description. It's also Discord.gg slash guys. Mike said it right. Um, gentlemen, Ryan says, when Ben Simmons with Ben Simmons playing well, do you think this makes getting another center more or less important? Ben has been solid at the five, but it seems to me that. That's not his best position. And this team still lacks a true big uh, who can match the physicality of guys like Steven Adams and Jonas Valanciunas. On the other hand, I would hate to get guys, get a guy like Miles Turner and relegate Clacks to the bench. Uh, love, Ryan. Love you back. Um, Mike, we saw Ben Simmons and not Nick Claxton last night for uh, personal reasons. So we had a little glimpse of what it would look like if we had a full, you know, eclipse of, of the Clacks. Clips of the clacks. And um, what did we think? We got a W. It was a little bit rocky at times, but, you know, in the fourth quarter, we we um, we were too much. We outpaced heavily. Um, is that sustainable? I mean, obviously, we don't, you know, we don't need to think about a world in which we don't have Nick Claxton, but um, is Ben Simmons at the five a permanent solution? Because I'm just getting ahead of it. A lot of the emails are going to be about spacing and how <clears throat> having all that spacing around Ben Simmons is pretty necessary to make it work. Yeah, it's a very interesting question and a, a predicament that Jock Vaughn is in. Because if you think about it, so we just saw what Ben Simmons is like at the five with that starting lineup. Uh, the shooters surrounding Ben Simmons. Ben played his best game as a net. Um, I currently on the YouTube have his shot chart from the entire season. Uh, there are only two shots he've taken outside the paint this entire season. And well, three of them. One is like a half court three, which you can't see, which is like in my... Solar, solar plexus, plexus, I was going to say. Yeah, solar plexus. And uh, two of them are like just outside the paint to the side of it. Um, this team without Claxon, though, I mean, the uh, Gonchar, Aldama, this this uh, Grizzlies team was able to get to the paint. And the only reason why there was any close at all was because it was pretty easy for them to get to the bucket. Yeah, And that's on ben, what Ben is good at as a defender. And actually, you're minimizing by him being a... Like, let's say he's a permanent five, right? To go to back to D Bronx 1414's question. If he's like a permanent five, you're minimizing what makes him so special is the fact that he can switch onto everyone. His lack of responsibility having to guard the paint makes him a better defender. Perimeter defender, switchable everything. 
when you make him just a five, which was necessary in this game. So this is not even shots at Jock Vaughn. I don't know. It's, I mean, the team had no rim protection. Um, it, particularly when Markeith Morris came to the game, who, you know, I, who was, had his best game as a net. Uh, there's just zero rim protection. So I do think that there's going to be a need to get a decent backup big. I think Clax is, let me ask you this, Brian. Has Clax played good enough to think that this team doesn't need a starting center? That, that in fact, they have a starting center. It's just that they need, you know, a backup big yeah. to soak up some minutes. And and this is why I'm pretty thankful for the current status of the Jacques Vaughn hire. Because, um, you know, for me, like, I, in previous iterations of the Steve Nash um, roster management uh, situation. More like mismanagement. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a lot of inconsistency, but it was like with this sort of caveat of like, it's experimenting. We're just always perpetually experimenting with not a whole lot of, you know, control experiments or like anything really guiding our hand. It's just experimenting for the sake of it. It's like me when I had a chemistry set in ninth grade. Like I was, I didn't follow the instructions and I was just, I was, I was experimenting. Right. And, uh, nothing Did happened. Did you actually <laughs> have a chemistry set? <laughs> yes. Yeah, of, of course I, I got one. And, um, and like, but you know, I was not a, like a student. I wasn't good. I wasn't smart. And so just like, you know, mixing the different things and nothing would happen. So that's, that's sort of like what Steve Nash was doing with the roster. Um, and this is all to say that like, in this case, Jacques Vaughn, like, did you know after we we're kind of getting bodied uh by Steven Adams Steven Adams in you know the, the first half and you know Markeith Morris came out to play potato sack defense on Steven Adams relatively quickly an experiment that's worthwhile it was you know mixed results it was pretty good Markeith had a decent game he's been not talked about much uh this season to this point um but in B- that besides <laughs> calling out Ben Simmons in the locker room right but that's yeah. what he's here for. That's what he's here for. Um, Honestly, that is, yeah. That and potato sack even. So he fills the Jared Dudley role, truly, to a T. He's been filling the Jared Dudley role um, because they it's had It's a beef. lumpy potato sack. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a bit... It's a full potato sack. He's a yeah. big He's a big guy. We, cut, we saw him up close, and he's a big man. Um, fun, fun little note here. Yeah. Uh, I won't name who it is, but friend of the show went to the Lakers-Nets game <laughs> and sat rather close to the court and informed us. So the Nets had a back-to-back in L.A., and uh, obviously, they, they beat the Clippers and then uh, lose to the Lakers in, in a bad loss. And someone shouted out to Markeith, Markeith, how are you feeling? And he said, I'm tired as hell. Uh, the implication being that uh, late night and Jacques Vaughn, to his credit, after the Sacramento Kings game, said one of the great, he's already been a better quote than Steve Nash. And I, that's all I care about for my coaches. He said this, I don't know if our minds, our bodies and souls are still in LA. LA will do that to you sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, good. Hey, they went out hard. That, I mean, that, yeah. that Clippers game. Yeah. Yeah. A Clippers Saturday night into Lakers Sunday up late. Just good a for, complete for bender Nets. for the whole team, a team bonding ex- experience that while it, you know, short term losses stacked up, Hey, long term, you know, it's, it's, um, invaluable. It's invaluable. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. But anyways, um, that's all to say that, like, I don't know that we need, like, people are looking for a solution for, like, the center question. And as long as we yeah. can read and react um, in terms of who we're putting in the rotation, when and why, like, it's not that super important to me that, like, Nick Laxon or Ben Simmons is designated. So, I mean, like, for political purposes, Ben Simmons is going to get that starting position. It's just like, he's already back in there and it's just going to happen. That's going to be the way it is. Um, and now he's like, you know, more deserving of it than, than he had been previously starting to play well. So that's only going to get more and more solidified. Um, but 
you know, like for each, anytime we do play a, a Valanciunas or Steven Adams or whoever, whatever moose we're up against, um, you know, Markeith is, I don't know. It's like a C plus solution to it. We, we could probably do better. It's more about like, actually, like if we want to go out in the, in the market and grab somebody uh, to do that. So like, that's another part of the question, but I don't mind having like a, you know, who's doing, who's playing well that night against that guy. Well, let me do this. Let me throw an email your way. This from your boy, Connor Martin, Connor M, Medal of Connor from the Discord. Thank you, Connor, what, for checking out. What the, the hell just happened, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> um, hi, Mike and Brian. Brian, I can't even Jesus. read. And look at With you the now. improvement of Ben Simmons, what do you guys think the starter five should be? Should they go back to Ben and Clax together? I don't think they can justify having either coming off the bench at this point. And furthermore, Joe is improving and Royce has been great. Who do you demote to the bench unit and why? Love the show, guys. Thanks, Connor M. Again, Medal of Connor from the Discord. Link in our Twitter bio, uh, of course. Brian, uh, good question. So what we're what we're laying on here is we're assuming Kyrie and KD are starting. Uh, Royce O'Neal has been a permanent starter all year. Joe Harris is improving. His shooting has improved significantly over the past four or five games or so. Uh, Clax, I think, has been a revelation. And Ben is starting to look like himself post the Sham Sharania Sam Amick article yeah. that was in The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash glue guys to get $1 a month for the next 12 months. Okay. Also listen to our last episode, which was with Sam Amick. Oh, I meant to say good, good on you for grabbing him. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sam's a sweetheart, yeah. an absolute sweetheart of a man. Yeah. Um, so this is an interesting question, and this folds deeply into the question with DeBronx1414 on the Discord, which is, uh, uh, by the way, I don't know what's happened to me. I'm just, I'm saying weird usernames, and I'm just saying promo codes. Yeah. It's, you know, it's you're, you're a podcasting. plug machine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, um, what do you do? Do you start Ben and Clax back together, meaning that one of Joe and Royce goes to the bench? Do you bring Ben off the bench and say, Ben, do just feast on some second unit, get your numbs, get your vibe back? Or do you put Clax in on the bench and say, hey, Ben is the superstar. He's playing better. We don't want to mess with his mojo. You, Claxton, go to the bench. What do you do, Brian? What do you do? Yeah, it's tricky. Um you know, just I, said, yeah, that you that Ben is starting, right? Right. Like, so I, I think like here's there's like two versions of answering this question. There's one which is like the player development version, and then the other that's like get wins pronto version. Um, so like in a if if we had all the time in the world, um, and we you know it's not that we don't, but you know I'd like to get get at least past five hundred here pretty quickly. Um, you know we could do the experiment. It's only November twenty first. You know I, <laughs> I know, say I know. it feels we, way late in the season. We got plenty of time. Only um, yeah, you know at some point it would be good to have them learn how to play together. I think like. Then being like Simmons, Claxton and and Ben Simmons. Yeah. Um, yeah. At this point though, I think like the optics are so not good. And like, not only just the optics, the analytics are like when they play together, not, it's not a good offense. It's not happening. Um, I mean, again, you know, small sample size theater, they, you know, Ben was rusty, so on and so forth. Um, But like, I think just also just at a glance, it doesn't feel like a, the best version of our, of ourselves. Um, With that in mind, I do think, 
you you some you figure a way to stagger the minutes, whether that's and it's probably going to be Claxton coming off the bench, which is um which is sad and 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 undeserving. And uh you know that's that's the sort of position we've been in for a long time with like our bigs just never being like that's another thing with the game changing you know so on and so forth. There's only so many like not floor spacers you can have at a time. That's a um it is a, a gravitational deficit you're running at that point. So like there is a there is a thing where it's like, hey, Clax, if you could like figure out a mid-range jumper, I mean, you're not going to do it in, in a couple of months here. Um, but yeah, so like that's like the answer of like if we want to just continue to like get W's. Uh, the other version of it, which is the more likely version of it, is that we want to elevate our player personnel and make sure that they feel seen and that they're getting enough minutes and all that. And because of that, I do think he's probably going to be back in the starting lineup. Um, whether it's Royce O'Neal, I think it's, I think it's probably Royce O'Neal that goes to the bench, um, which also doesn't feel right. Royce has been like the second best player on this team. And like, he really has not gotten enough credit to my eye. I mean, like, I think there was some, like, there was a a spat of games where he like underperformed a little bit and people were zeroed in on that, like small little, like bump in the the otherwise beautiful yellow brick road, Mike. It's been, it's been (laughs) just gorgeous. Um, And I don't know why he's not, I mean, mean, obviously like Yuta is also deserving of, of his come up, glow up, you know, praise and all that stuff. But Royce has been unbelievable and like way more multifaceted than I had expected. Yeah. And and I I dug into the analytics. Oh, Um, look at you. Poindexter. Ben Ben Simmons and Royce O'Neal, essentially two new players on this team because Ben didn't play last year. Um, are leading the Nets in passes per game. So what was the problem last year? When things broke down, it felt like so stagnant. It felt like Kyrie and Katie held the ball forever. Well, you're adding two guys in now. Ben's passing because before the past <laughs> yeah. few games, it felt like he was terrified. Yeah. Um, which which I do want to – like we need to actually like address maybe what's different about Ben Simmons. But Royce is adding this element that I didn't expect, which is like he's become – the secondary ball handler distributor at times for this team when he's playing with Kevin Durant. I mean, when Kyrie was suspended for that time. And so to address the question, if I'm closing my eyes because I know how painful this sounds, but I think Ben needs to continue to come off the bench. I know he's played really well the past few games, particularly this last game against Memphis was so exciting. Alex Schiffer of The Athletic, friend of the show, uh, had a great lead into his story where he referenced a particular play in the game. This is the very beginning of his story about the Memphis game, about how Ben Simmons is streaking down the floor, transition, ball in his hands. Kyrie is off to his right, available for a pass, but Ben doesn't even pass the ball, just goes straight to the bucket and scores. And what we had seen so many times previously was Ben was always looking to get rid of the ball. And again, if you're on the YouTube, you can see the shot chart. I mean, it's... The reason why he's averaging, like, what's his field goal percentage? Like 70% from the field or something insane? It's because he's just dunking the ball and layups. Yeah. Primarily, but it's working. Layups. Yeah. I think the, I, I think ultimately what you need is you need Clack starting because he's a true center. He has, he's really strong rim protection. He's actually just as good of a switching defender at this point as Ben Simmons is. He, his role as a center is more defined. We're like, when the game gets in half court, Ben is still figuring out what he's like in half court. It is still like, if the game slows down, he's kind of waiting in that dunker spot and yeah. not not tremendously active. I also want to um, say, just to pinpoint a little bit on what you're talking about, is they're running a thing for him, which is actually a better you know utility of, of his particular skill set, um, which is, I don't like, I don't think he necessarily needs to bring the ball up. I don't know why they keep 
giving it to him to bring the ball up. I kind of like him. Like, he needs runway, right? The, the issue with Ben Simmons yeah. is he needs runway. And when your half court defense is set, that, that runway becomes, um, you know, cl- clogged up. It's difficult. So, um, there was a couple of instances though, where he kind of like was trailing the play. And then, you know, instead of being like a trailing three, he just like, gave himself enough runway to get past that like first pass and actually like hit, hit into the key with like some real momentum. And like in, insofar as we need to be running plays for Ben Simmons, which already is something that we may not even like super need to do outside of just like, Hey, get him going. Um, <laughs> that like, that's like the best version of it. It's sort of like the, you know, 20, you know, 16 version of Giannis or something where it's like, you know, he's um, somewhat limited outside of just being like, get enough speed where that forward momentum just like makes good things happen one way or another. Um, so like, there's a way to like do that in the half court. It's just like, how much do you want to go to that? And, you know, I guess I could actually make an argument for that because like when he is engaged and when like, like last night was the first time I've seen him have that, like, um, like truly breaking out of the rust moment, you know, where it's like sometimes when, when people are rusty and you know about this, Mike, you've been rusty for, you know, huge swaths of time, um, <laughs> that it's, it's nothing at all. And then all at once, you know, it's like, it, it gets really hard. And then all of a sudden you have like that, you, you bust through the rust and it all flies off. Um, it sounds very sexual. Yeah. It's, well, <laughs> you know, I was, is it true? <laughs> Do you lose it? If you, if you don't use it, is that what he says? Uh, anyways, so <laughs> if you use it, I don't know. I don't know how to touch that. Um, but yeah, so he was having a breakthrough moment and um, <laughs> nicely done. And uh, and that was that. So I don't know where we were going before that. Though. Oh, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so again, I think if I'm Jock Vaughn, I, I, I'm gauging what it means to Ben Simmons to come off the bench. Because I think the best lineup still right now, the best thing for Ben Simmons, the best thing for the team is Ben is the first guy off the bench. He's getting 25 to 30 minutes a game, but Clax is starting the game because also with Clax starting the game, he's starting against the other team's starting center, which is what you need. Defensively, they shouldn't have given up that many points to the jawless, JJ-less, Bane-less Memphis Grizzlies. And the Memphis is like one of those culture teams, like the Heat, and what the Warriors used to be until this season, where like you could just mix in guys and they would they're just producing. I don't, like they have that kind of vibe about them now, but still the, the Grizzlies were getting to the bucket so easily. And so Ben is really not a five uh, in terms of around the bucket defensively. He is again a wing, a super skilled All NBA wing defender who can go to can guard the paint a bit. Um, so, and also why I like Ben is like if Ben's coming off the bench. Maybe maybe he's then playing with the mix of Royce, Joe. He's just playing with all shooters, right? Um, I, I think it's actually a good problem to have, the fact that we can even argue that Ben Simmons versus Claxton is a thing. But I think we kind of both agree. You know, I think they may do this. I think the ultimate solution is like Simmons and Claxton starting. But those minutes are, those are going to be bad minutes. And I think quickly it's going to be, okay, when can we sub out one of those two and put in Royce or Joe, depending on whoever it is next up wait quick break oh jesus sandbagged again (laughs) coming back (laughs) uh more email and we're back brian next up that's cheer boy we got win witty goat man when would he go, man? Going a little negative here, which is okay. You know, on the Glue Guys podcast, we we take the good with the bad. You know, we do improvement on the fringes. Um, this email is titled, Will Cam Thomas Ever Pass the Ball? 
And then also he says, also a year in, do you think of, uh, do you think any of Kess, DDJ, or Dayron become real rotational players? Um, so, Mike. Um, <laughs> well, Cam Thomas never passed the ball. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, that, again, analytics. Mm-hmm. Cam averages, every per touch, he averages 4.8 seconds per a touch, yeah. which is the highest on the team above Katie and Kyrie. Yeah. He, he dribbles the most on the team when he has the ball. Uh, but... Here's this a sliver of sunshine, and this is something I've been talking about with him. And I would sit him down if he was right here right now, and I'd tell him this. Very low number of threes he's done this, but on catch and shoot threes, he's shooting forty percent. Hey, I there is there is a off ball shooter. That's an NBA career score. right there, right there in a, in a number. That's that that gets you another couple of contracts if you just keep that up at a higher volume. If you are catch and shoot three open guy who then can create off the dribble a bit. That's a $15 million player. He just doesn't play like it right now. The negativity of this, though, I appreciate in a jubilant year so far. I mean, it's been nothing but smooth ice and sailing uh, this season so far. Uh, of the mix of Cam Thomas, Kess, we always do this. Cam Thomas, Kess, David Duke Jr., and Dave Ron. Are there any stickers? Any guys that are going to stick to that rotation? Any guys that are going to be in there? For me, it's, I mean, just due to the opportunity, Dayron has like such a golden opportunity. I just, you know, there's a couple of things that he needs to work on. Well, they're big foundational, hugely important things. Um, things like timing, intuition, you know, spacing, a little bit of working on your hand, eye coordination stuff, some, some pretty foundational sh- things. Um, but, you know, just because like he is as big as he is and would otherwise be such a good, you know, utility piece to, uh, qualm a lot of the concerns we have about our, our front court rotation. Um, I think he still has like his foot in the door. Uh, I do worry about Kess, uh, pretty, pretty worried about his, um, future with the nets here. You know, not that I, you know, I, um, I like him. I want him to, to do well, but like now, you know, when TJ Warren comes back, that's even further in the rotation. He's really only just playing garbage moments at the time, at minutes at the moment. DDJ has his moments. Like if there is like a, a weird like garbage time comeback stuff, uh, comeback thing happening. DDJ is one of the best in the business as like at like making garbage time more competitive. Um, so I, I see like a little bit of a window for him, but otherwise, I don't know. The Camp Thomas thing is tricky because uh, we all, you know, it's nobody dislikes Camp Thomas. Everyone's rooting for him because there's obviously like people can see the potential there. It's just um, decision making stuff has, has really been his bugaboo for a while. Yeah, I, I think it's gotten better this year in terms of he's a little bit quicker, even though he holds the ball the longest on the team. Like, I think it's a little bit – he's structured. He's still super young. I, I don't know if people realize how hard it is for players like Cam Thomas who their success have been has been built in the cauldron, this fire that has burned inside them of getting buckets, right? Like, that is, that is what got him from – I think he grew up in Virginia Beach area, took him to LSU, and now he's in the NBA because he got buckets. And it's not as easy to just turn it off and then no. become. How could you? I mean, that's Andre it's, Miller. And it's addicting too. I mean, is there anything better than than have stacking nummies on people? That's like the best. And the guy, way he does it is feeling. so fun. Yeah, it's it's you know the a lot of dribbling and just little jumps and then getting fouled. Yeah, he's got Fantastic. a he's got a problem too with reading the second defender. Like that's like if he gets even his first defender on his hip, which even that is a little bit like touch and go at times. Um, he gets swallowed up by second defenders like more than I've seen like really any other player um, with his level of like penetration skills. So it's just about like 
it's a, about that next level of like decision making, playmaking, when to pull it back out, when to like drop off the pass. Um, so that's all to say, like, sky's still the limit for Cam Thomas. It just needs a recalibration. And we've said this forever. Um, and, and it just continues. I would say also, like, you know, we, we're bearing the lead a little bit, but like, Yuta Watanabe is nowhere in these emails. And one of the things that Yuta does quite well is just, you know, that instant triple threat you know, sort of decision-making. He's either going to shoot it, he's either going to drive it, or he's going to pass it. And that decision happens instantly. It's it's how a lot of guys get over at this level. Um, so and he's, you look like you have something to say. Well, here, a couple of bullet points about you. I don't know why I got in my bag, my analytics bag. He's second highest on the team on points per touch. Okay, that's behind Kevin Durant. Bottom four in all, in all other possession categories, meaning like he barely touches the ball, but when he does, magic happens. Yuta averages the highest average speed on defense, which is plain to see on the team. Guess who would be the lowest average speed? Like actual, like we're talking like miles Mile, per hour? MPA, yeah. Or <laughs> kilometers. I, I can go either way with you. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking of like Markeith Morris just because that's a lot to move, but. Yeah I, yeah, yeah, I mean, he. I don't know if he really, he's on the list, but he didn't qualify. It's Kevin Durant, which Got is, it. you know, he, Kevin is so long that he doesn't really need to move that much. Is of course that, and the funniest stat of all is that Utah's leading the NBA in three point percentage at fifty seven. Good percent. God. Yeah, he's been incredible, and I love. I've loved his interviews after I the know. games when they interview him. They're like, "How do you do it?" And he's like, "Well, I play with Kevin Durant, and he's really, really good. So I'm just hitting open <laughs> shots. It's it, yeah. it's it's so humble, but mm. yet it's also kind of like, um, how can you? I know he doesn't mean it this way, but it's like. Everyone should be doing this essentially. Like, how could you not? I'm wide open from three. He takes it. I love when he does the heat check three. I yeah. love when he hits. He hits two, and then he goes to the heat check. He wants it. He wants the moment. He wants. He's got a little bit. Of, he's got the perfect amount of ego. Like, it's not like he's. You know, he does a lot of celebrating and stuff too, which which you love. And I think Kevin yes. Durant and him have like they're forming a an amazing friendship, which has been a joy to see. Um, but he's got a little bit of like this is what I was talking about this last night when we were watching the game. Like, there is a certain point at which like reality meets ceiling and like are we getting close to like our expectation of Utah is like are we getting to a place where hey he's having somewhat of a breakout season not like breakout breakout but like you know he seems to be primed to actually like I, I don't see anything keeping him from continuing this upward trend outside of the shot stops starts not falling and it hasn't not fallen for a while well the interesting so obviously he's going to hit a wall at some point right he's not going to shoot do you think he's going to shoot 57% This, this is the thing that, I, that I think is also like Nets brain, like Nets fan brain. It's like we never get breakout <laughs> players. Like it just never really happens for us. Like there's been very few. Well, I mean, Dinwiddie and Joe Harris, but. Yeah, sure. That was I, one moment in time. I, I think of like I Brooke Lopez. Like I remember like when we, for like with the 10th pick, we got Brooke Lopez and he was instantly like a 20 point score. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's what that looks like. That's so weird. Like we never. <laughs> it can happen. <laughs> yeah. You can draft a yeah. guy and, and yeah. you can actually, yeah. it's not like Carrie Kittles over Kobe. who Everyone loves Carrie Kittles. Yeah. Come on. Hey, he was great. He was great. Um, um, but you know what I mean? Like it's just not a whole lot of uh, just like surprise breakout. You know, got more yeah. more so the case particularly with the under this regime. Yeah, where every role player, and we talked about this, but every role player seems to be you know Lamarcus Aldridge, it's just right. old dude, yeah, old crusty guy on his last legs, cry macho Clint Eastwood. It's just the, the <laughs> end of the road for all these dudes. Yeah, quick game, okay. Yuta versus in terms of who would you rather have? Okay, I'm gonna start. Yuta versus Steph Curry. Who would you rather have? That's a tough one for me. That's gonna be a tough one. Um. <laughs> Wait, is this a real game? Do you no, want me to no, actually no. play this? Do, yeah. do you know who actually who who's these are the top four? This is the top five salaries in the NBA right now. Steph Curry, John Wall, 
Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Kevin Durant. Eesh. What a S- list. Some some names on there. <laughs> um, it is obviously Utah's going to have some bad shooting games. The, the other thing about him is like, does the defense start giving him like a smidgen of respect and how does that affect him? The thing I like about Utah is that there's dimensions to him. He's not amazing. Like, let's, you know, we, we, I, but I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right there. I think we need to stop qualifying what's happening with Utah Watanabe. I think I like, we saw it. I, I remember game, Nobody puts Utah in the corner game maybe. one of preseason. I came on this podcast and I want to be on the record for yep. being historically right about Utah because I was like, I think Utah and Edmund Sumner are two guys that might have potential to actually play rotational minutes on this. You, I mean, Edmund has been now probably cast back in the shadow realm because Kyrie's back, which, you know, whatever you take it. Um, but Yuta is in prime position to play a lot of minutes because that his skill set is exactly what we need and whatever team needs uh, at that position. So um, I'm going to go on the record and say, like, I'm expecting continued growth from Yuta Watanabe. I'm not couching any of this thing. I, the optics are too good right now. It, it all looks very confident. He does, like, really good read and react. He doesn't overplay. Um, he's just, he has a good intuition. He's at the right place at the right time. There's like a lot to like about you. He can really just play basketball at a high level. It, it is the perfect, this is the guy that the Nets have needed. We thought Rodion's Karuks would be this, right? There was a moment when Rody was this, just like a, a havoc causing athletic, tall, you know, versatile beast. And, and you, that is, I mean, it, it, it is both funny that it's happening because of the way he carries himself in the sense that like he again says, I'm not doing anything special. I'm just hitting open shots and moving the ball, but he brings such energy to this team. And it's such a difference from Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge that it just feels so significant. And again, I, I you know, I don't want to go too crazy. I, I'm trying to guard my heart, Brian, because it's been broken so many times before. No, you're, you're worried. You're you're, cal- you're qualifying your takes because you don't want to be wrong on the podcast, Mike. <laughs> and I'm going. I'm doubling down on this take. Okay, and we'll see who's more right at the end of the day. He he is the exact type of player that this team needs. It's the type of player that like he was on the Raptors last year. It's the type of player the Raptors usually always have, which is just a guy who active, long, switchable on D. He makes so much sense filling in in a bunch of different roles, whatever you kind of need him. He was guarding – what game was it? He was guarding the primary ball handler. Who have the Nets played recently? They played uh, – Blazers played Memphis. Oh, yeah, he was guarding Dame. The, the, Jacques put him on Dame. And, you know, that's a test. And obviously Dame, you know, roasted him a couple times. But Utah had – was firmly in position and forced Dame to pass the ball on other possessions. You know, that's an interesting – element and i do want to see the defense of like yuda royce ben simmons claxton and you know throw it throw let's just say kevin durant because obviously he's still an incredible defender i i want to see all that i just want to see the length and the activity and the size on that that front yuda's been absolutely a, a revelation Ascendant. The, he, he's, is he is he the number one best thing about the Nets season so far, or is it Kevin Durant maybe being an MVP candidate? I mean, that's we haven't really talked about that. I'd say yes, only because it's the most unexpected. I mean, for me, I expected it. I mean, I don't want to again. I want to honor my my past self and my scouting <laughs> acumen. Um, but for everybody else, I could imagine it being incredibly surprising. <laughs> I'm still meaning. Um, but and for that reason, it is like you know, it's just one of those things where it's. Um, it's a surprise. It's just a pure joy. Like, you know, Kevin Durant 
is part of MVP conversations, not infrequently. Um, it's awesome. I mean, it's like, of course, like it's it's the kind of blessing though you take for granted, you know. At this point, now we we I remember I just like I watched Kevin Durant hit these impossible shots every night, and uh, that's the thing of like once once you're spoiled with that, you know, it feels I feel spoiled. Um, it, it, yeah. There's a fantastic graph on NBA.com when when you go to like get shot charts for players. There's five different charts that you can get. One's like a heat map, and one's just the X's and O's. One is this line graph that shows you one like the y-axis or the x-axis is like distance from the hoop, and and the other axis is the field goal percentage. And some players like are a spike obviously very close to the hoop and spike for three point, but there's no middle ground. KD is just like, just peeking all over the place. He's all over the court, exceptional. And like, maybe there's a little dip somewhere, but he, he's so unique uh, in the game. MVP, uh, we have one more email, I think. Well, yeah. Can I also just like, this isn't an email. Like, I wanted to dovetail this into a little bit of another thing. Cause I Dove saw it. a, you know, those like hardwood paroxysm, like, you know, the, the, the big brain sort of, you know, analytical Twitter yeah. accounts. Tweeted yeah. out something. I don't know if it was that one or it was a different one, but like tweeted out something that was in the Discord, and I wish I had. I was just looking for it, can't find it. But basically, they did an analysis of um, <clears throat> like a version of plus minus, but relative to the competition that they've played and how much the competition played. Um, like you know, it's like basically trying to account for luck, which is like hitting contested shots uh, that they wouldn't normally otherwise hit. And if you like account for basically like. You know, because I was thinking about this when we were playing Memphis last night, like John Conchar was like unbelievable in the first half. I was like, is this going to be another one of these games where just some yeah. like complete rando with like a Pokemon last name is going to just, you know, <laughs> blast us like into like having this be blast too competitive. Um, and luckily that tapered off at the end, like they like him and Dylan Brooks went back regression to sucking, which is, you know, you they would turn in magic carps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they sucked. And that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed they're supposed to not be good players. Nobody can. So anyways, I was like I was recalling that graph and it was like, oh, yeah, like there is an element to which sometimes, you know, certain players in certain positions like just hit more shots. Uh, and we, oftentimes people just kind of like throw it to defense. And that's fair. You know, like defensive rating is a very real thing. Um, but then also there's times when they are defended and they just hit hard shots that are, you know, disproportionately hard to what they can what the mean is. And and the Nets, if you qualify with all that, are in like the top five in the NBA uh, in terms of other teams playing disproportionately well against them, at least in the first, you know, we've had a weird you know, start of the season. So there's a lot there to unpack. But that's all to say, a roundabout way of asking you, <laughs> are the Nets actually good? Are we going to be like, because we just beat the Trailblazers. <laughs> we just beat Memphis, you know, top seeds in the West. Um, teams that are good and and they're good in like the, a very similar way in that it's like youth movement. They're kind of tricky. I mean, like also Memphis was missing all their good players, so whatever. Asterisk, fine. If you want to do that, you can. Um, but are we thinking that the Nets are actually good now, Mike? This triggers a lot of people. I want to see more this team with Kyrie because you know my concern with the Grizzlies game, and it wasn't necessarily Kyrie's fault, but defensively it was their worst game. I mean, the Kings game was horrific, so. I, I mean, I guess it, I can't. I shouldn't say it was one of their worst games because the Kings game was the worst defensive game in the history of the Nets organization, and then they lost that horrible Lakers team. And but before that, they hadn't given up a hundred points in I think six or five or five or six straight games. Um, I you know I want to see a little bit more of Kyrie fitting into this new ethic. I don't doubt that he can. I think that it. You know, I think that there is. If we remove the anti-Semitic uh, documentary for a second, we put that just to the side. His other communication this year had been very focused on sort of 
being humble and improving himself and dedicating to the team and all that stuff. And so I'm interested to see how he reforms his game to this new ethic. Um, and but we have we're gonna have a great test case because they have the Philadelphia 76ers coming up tomorrow. Ben's return to Philly, even though he played in that preseason game. Embiid is out. He's terrified. <laughs> He's absolutely pooping down his pants because yeah. he knows Big Daddy Ben is coming to town, coming to get that cheesesteak. Shout out to the guy who didn't get that joke on Twitter. Uh <laughs> That should be a new podcast. Yeah, Shout no. out to the guy that didn't get the joke on Twitter because there are yeah. a lot of those guys it's, out on Twitter. These it is. Days. It is like, uh, uh, yeah, it's ninety percent of them. Anyways, you know. But the, so it's at Philly. The next night, it's a back to back. They go cross border to Toronto, and then they go back down the board, back to the continental U.S. to play the Pacers on a Friday, and then the Nets have like a setup of like seven or six or seven home games in a row. They take them from the end of November to basically mid December. Second week of December against some tasty teams like the Wizards, Magic, Hornets, you know, and then there's a Celtics matchup on a Sunday, which is very exciting. But, you know, we, we're always getting more information. I'm interested to see this Philly game. Um, I want to see a continuation of winning basketball. You know, I don't want to project, I don't want to go down the schedule and be like win, win, loss, loss, whatever. But, I want to see more than 500 ball. Like ultimately, even though they've been playing better, they're still essentially a 500 basketball team since Jock Vaughn has taken over. I, I want to see a three, four win streak. I want to see some dubs. I want to stack those dubs, kid. Yes, yes. High peaks and low lows. Next up, that's <gasps> oh no, Cheerboy. We got Greg S. Greg S. Sorry, we Greg, got, that Brian was so weak on that. Sorry. Was I weak? Sorry, the the I feel like the audio went out. Anyways, Greg S. He knows as a wise man as a wise man said on the Discord. Shout out to the Discord. Um, hey, Mike and Brian. Okay, so knowing what you know of the season so far, what is one move you would have done the Nets didn't do, and one move you wouldn't have done that the Nets did do this off season? Um, can I also frame this around a debate that we had last night? Uh, Royce O'Neal, Bruce Brown. I know we don't want to have that be the only constraint to this conversation, but there was, you know, a, a heated debate on, yeah. you know, because Royce makes, I think, more than Bruce. Uh, we traded a draft pick for him, um, but he's been good. He's been yeah, so, good. Yeah, so that's what's interesting. It's it's that Royce is more expensive and a cost of draft pick, but I, they control Royce for these two seasons. Yeah. I mean, they could have given Bruce whatever contract and, he you know, he would have fit in because they had bird rights for him. Royce is a better player. He fits way more lineups than Bruce. You know, he's he's a little taller of a wing. He's more Very of a true adaptable. wing. I mean, don't give me like we are. I mean, Bruce Brown, friend of the show. I think we. No one's been more of a nobody's Bruce Brown, been yeah. pro more pro Bruce Brown. And I think it's one of those things where it's a win win in both situations. You know, I think Bruce seems pretty happy in Denver. He's putting up his nummies, um, and he's yeah. also ascending in his he's own way. He's basically putting up the same numbers that Royce O'Neal's putting up. You know, sometimes you can love somebody too much, and you, <laughs> and you, and you try to control them, and you don't want to do that with Bruce Brown. Okay, you don't want to have that ever that relationship curdle. We'll always love him, and he'll always love us. And you know, if we if we you got to hold on loosely, but don't let go, Mike. Uh, hold on loosely. Um, yeah, he's averaging 11, four and a half assists and four rebounds, uh, four and a half assists is double what he was doing here in Brooklyn. So he's giving more agency to actually have the ball in his hands, even while playing with Jokic. 
Um, he's putting up three threes a game, shooting about 39%. Glad to see Bruce is continuing his three-point shooting. Bruce Brown is great, and I would have loved to have kept him on this team. And technically, the Nets could have um, if Josiah, Big Daddy Joe is willing to pay that check because there was nothing stopping them from doing so, and they still could have traded for Royce O'Neal. When you have bird rights, you're able to do certain things like that. Um, I would have loved to have seen that, but you know they went with Royce. Royce is a better fit for what this team needs overall. Again, you can put many more lineups together with Royce O'Neal anywhere in it. You can play him a two, three, or four. Where you know, obviously Bruce Brown was a, a center at some point, but that was obviously a gimmick. That was crazy. That was a pure that was. gimmick. Um, yeah. So you know, but it, it pains me. It pains me to talk. I don't I want know, to talk. I know. About Let's this. not. Um, so, but that doesn't super answer the question because that's something the Nets did do that I would also do. So he's looking for. Well, so the move that the Nets did do that that I wouldn't have done, but the Nets did do, and I'll give I'll give Sean Marks like Yuta Watanabe. Like I had no clue that Yuta was this. Yeah. Right. And and while immediately watching him in preseason, it was exciting. I wouldn't have done it, but then seeing him play, I'm like, oh my god, he's amazing. I see, I see what you're getting at because like, credit. yeah, I mean, because that is an important thing because Sean Marks like. You know, despite, you know, everyone's sort of like wanting to like just like steamroll the, the front office, like continues to win at that like low to medium sort of like part of the that meaty part of the roster. You know, like when when those types of decisions come through, when he's allowed to pick yeah. those players and not Kevin Durant. Yes, <laughs> Kevin. Kevin would push back on that sentiment. Kevin, well, Kevin's yeah. Kevin's not always honest. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Wow. I love Kevin. Wow. And I support him as I supported him. A liar and a bad scout. There it in, is. Yeah. <laughs> in this whole kerfuffle over his quote in the interview with Chris Haynes, where he was listing how he's playing with like Royce O'Neal and Joe Harris and Edmund Sumner, and Nick Claxton, and everyone expects us to win because of me. And he had great clarifying remarks on the et cetera as his own podcast. I welcome him on this pod to also clarify his remarks, but he had it, did it on his own show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that completely and fully. Uh, I I never thought it was as slanderous as people were. I, I think the outrage machine around the Nets is just so – people are just waiting for mm-hmm. something to come out about the Nets. So that, well, I felt like You're that a trailblazer on that, Mike. I mean, you set the tone. And, hey, good on you for taking accountability and, and reeling it back a little bit. Good on you. Um, I don't yes. know. I have to think more about – as wise like what off season move yeah. I wish they would have done. Well, I mean, it, I think it's like getting a, a maybe a real backup center, but I'm also not as stressed about the center issue as as some. Yeah, the center issue only really rears its its ugly head when we're playing against those types of teams. Um, and there's not so so many of them, but like when it happens, like having Stephen Adams just like dunk on your face is just it's it's really disgusting, and you want it to stop when it's happening. Um, well, the problem is if Clax. Um, he was out for personal reasons, but if he misses 15 games for whatever reason because of an injury, then this center issue is going to be a big deal. Yeah. Like the Claxton, the Claxton is, is really saving us from the disaster of like having Ben Simmons play center for an entire game. Yeah. As much as I love Ben Simmons, but I, well, I also think like baked into that winning. I also think baked into that is like sort of the latent accusation that Nick Claxton couldn't guard Steven Adams. Anyways, you know, I don't know if you crap. Which I think is Anyways, Mike, our connection's getting funky. So we're almost almost at the end of the show anyways. So maybe we just tie a bow on it. That sounds great. Uh, find us on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, <laughs> NetsDaily.com, The Athletic. Get yourself by the paywall, TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. A dollar a month for the next 12 months. Brian? Wow. That was like full rap god, Mike. It came out so fast. I'm impressed. Hey, thanks for having us. Bye, everybody.